Hey everyone, you're listening to Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory and I'm here to talk to you about a bunch of things. All the movies I've been watching lately, uh, what kinds of things are coming up Coming up as far as film events for me personally. And there, then at the very end of the show, I'm going to tell you about something coming up that is kind of special and cool. So let's start off. Uh, I think the last time I talked to you all about what I had been watching, it was the end of February. So on February 23rd, I watched a movie called Wish You Were Here. I had not heard of this movie before, but I was going through just what was available on the Criterion channel, and it came up as an option. This is a movie that takes place um, in a seaside town in World War II in England, and it stars Emily Lloyd, and it's about this girl who's learning to grow up, learning what she wants, this and that. Her performance is really excellent. I do recommend it for her. I was so-so on the movie, though. Uh, It was... let's put it this way, it had an ick factor of her getting in a very seedy relationship with a man who is very, ew, gross. Um, But even though I've had some problems with the movie, I'll just keep it short and sweet and say, if you want to watch a movie that's a throwback and has a really good leading performance of a young woman who's learning to come of age, I recommend the 1987 film, Wish You Were Here. Moving ahead, um, after I saw that movie, I went to the theater, my local Regal Cinemas, and I saw the live-action short Oscar nominees for this past year's Oscars. That is the 2021 Oscars that was held just over um, a week and a half ago or so. And I liked most of the films. I will say the film that won was not my favorite. The film that won the Oscar was The Long Goodbye, which you may know uh, was co-directed by Riz Ahmed. That movie uh, was good, uh, but not my favorite. Uh, the My favorites, I'm going to say it was a tie between two of them. I really liked Please Hold, which was a story of a young man uh, being captured and basically imprisoned without him knowing why he's imprisoned. It was a good commentary on the prison system and how um, <laughs> basically innocent until proven guilty uh, kind of doesn't really exist. Uh, it's about 25 minutes or so, and it had a lot of really cool imagery and a good performance by its lead. But my favorite film that was nominated is the film Take and Run, which was the story of a girl uh, in, I believe it was Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, she was uh, captured um, just one day out of the blue and forced into a marriage that she did not consent to. And it had her family's wishes, though in the event when it happens, um, she was extremely scared and didn't know what was happening. And then one day her parents just show up and be like, hey, this is your new husband. How's it going? And it's absolutely devastating. Um, But it has a really wonderful lead performance. And I thought the cinematography was beautiful. It it was the kind of movie that left me wanting more. Though it did a very good job of getting its point across. As far as what it wanted to tell about women and forced marriages. And how basically your innocence can be just taken away from you. Because your family has control of your life. So as far as the uh, Oscar short nominees. As I said, Take and Run was my favorite. The other ones I saw were On My Mind, The Dress, and that's it. Uh, For the uh, shorts, uh, I actually right after seeing the live action ones went ahead and watched a majority of the animated ones at home I actually actually yeah I did watch all of them 
because somebody helped me out when I said I couldn't find one of them online and they gave me a link. So thank you. Thank you to that person. Uh, the films were the affairs, uh, sorry, affairs of the art, the windshield wiper, Bestia, Robin, Robin and box ballet. Bestia was far and away my favorite. It was such a grip, gripping, scary, oh, disturbing animated film that I still think about. And when it started, I was just like, well, where is this going? Cause it's a bit abstract. And its animation style is kind of like porcelain dolls, but it is so freaky and scary. Um, it ha- tells a political tale about uh, torture that occurred under the dictator of Chile, Pinochet. So uh, it's not for children. <laughs> That's one thing I will say, even though it's animated, because, you know, it's something people are, you know, they think animation, they think it's for kids. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but a good package of animated shorts and the short that won the windshield viper was my second favorite. It had a lot of really striking imagery about relationships and love and its commentary. And it's abstract again, sort of like bestia though. It's like little slice of life kind of a little bit, um, really pretty to look at. And I'm glad that one won if bestia wasn't going to win. So after watching those animated shorts, uh, one afternoon, I found myself watching a movie I had never heard of before. It was called Ator the Fighting Eagle, which is basically sword and shield kind of thing about this guy who's gonna save a woman and fight evil forces. Like think Conan, but more low rent. (laughs) It had some hair, it had some loincloths. You can picture it. Um, Kind of amazing as a B-movie, but otherwise nothing of note. Uh, that same day, I actually watched the film Death Trap, which I had not seen before. Kind of adjacent to Sleuth, if you've heard about Sleuth. Shout out to the Sleuth crew, people I know. <laughs> um, Sleuth, it's a it's an intriguing story. Michael Caine is this Broadway playwright, and he comes up with this plan to possibly murder a young man. Um, I'm not going to go into detail too much, but it's the kind of film that takes place, you know, in one setting. So you've got some claustrophobia, you've got some intrigue. It's a fun film. I recommend it. And if you haven't seen Sleuth, you can watch that one as well. I haven't seen the original Sleuth, but I've seen the one with Michael Caine and Jude Law, which is okay by my standards, at least. Um, (laughs) As far as other new movies I saw, at the beginning of the month, I uh, watched the movie An Awfully Big Adventure, which I watched specifically because of Hugh Grant, though I had heard of the movie many, many years ago when Siskel and Ebert reviewed it. It was like one of the very new, well, how do I say it? Uh, I just remember the early shows of Siskel and Ebert because I was so fascinated by movies and I was learning about, you know, what indie films were and all kinds of different actors I had never heard of before. Um, And I started watching Siskel and Ebert, uh, I will tell you the exact first episode I ever saw. It was the best of 1994 episode. So An Awfully Big Adventure came out in, I think, summer of 1995 or so. So it was along those lines of my brain was fresh and in taking all this information about movies. But An Awfully Big Adventure is about this uh, production of a play. I think it was Peter Pan or maybe it was a couple of plays. But basically this um, theater troupe is putting it on and everybody is miserable and not doing so great and there's this young woman who wants to be an actor uh, but she ends up doing backstage production instead and uh, some seedy stuff similar to wish you were here happens to her Uh, i don't recommend the film but it was an interesting and different kind of perspective and alan rickman was pretty good in it as well 
oh, he's playing another creeper. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, the next day, I ended up watching uh, the new Netflix movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which the less said the better. I thought it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's not even like 80 minutes long. It's really short. It's really bad. Everyone's terrible in it. The action and kills make no sense. They just sort of happened and it's so grisly to the point that it's not even scary because it's just so much and so ridiculous and just splattery to the degree where there's no real like images happening, like nothing feasibly that could happen to someone. So it's not scary. It's just ridiculous, bad, terrible. That's all I'll say. Uh, and as I mentioned in a prior episode, I had watched the movie Finch. And this is when I watched it. I watched it in early March, March 3rd. Like I said, I liked the movie. I thought it had some really good images. I know on Letterboxd here it says I rated it a two and a half. I'd probably think of that more of a three because it was a good film. I appreciated the things about it. So I, I'm actually just going to edit that right here while I'm looking at it and make it a three. Because I think two and a half is too low. There's a lot of things about that movie with um, Tom Hanks just being alone with his robot and his dog that have kind of stuck with me. And it might even be something that I just go ahead and watch again sometime soon. The next day I watched Final Destination 3. So the Final Destination films are very nostalgic for me because I, uh, I started working at a video store when I was 13 years old. And that was around the time that the first Final Destination came out. So I was greatly anticipating seeing that for the first time at home on VHS. Um, I, I will admit my very first crush when I was a very young girl was Devin Sawa. So, I mean, yeah, I'm older, he's older, whatever. But back when I was a young girl, I was like, oh my God, Devin Sawa, he's so cool. And, uh, as I got older, it was like, oh my God, he's in movies still. Yay. So Final Destination, but Final Destination 3 is way different. It starts out with this uh, chain of events happening for death and stuff and the people who are basically marked for death uh, in a roller coaster accident. And it is, it is pretty horrifying. This follows the same kind of trajectory. There's no, you know, surprises, really. It's like everything happens the way the things happen in the Final Destination movies. It has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in an early performance, um, and she's fine. It was it was fine. I gave it a two and a half um, because it's a little hard to write, like, a movie like this on a grand scale and be like, five stars, the kills were awesome. Because as much as the kills were fun, the story was a little bit unsatisfying, and some of the characters weren't drawn very well. I... Final Destination is something that I think like anybody could make a Final Destination movie. Steven Soderbergh could make a Final Destination movie. You ask somebody to do it, you just follow the path of having these kills happen and the sequence of events. Anybody could do it. This one is fine. It's okay. Uh, I remember Final Destination 2 being a little disappointing. I wonder how this one would stack up against that. But I'll say, I mean, if you're looking for something to watch, you could you could very well do worse. Uh, the next movie I watched after that was on March 5th, and it was Coda. I already talked about Coda in a previous podcast. I, it won Best Picture. That's great for the Oscars. I have some problems with the script, and the script won an Oscar, and uh, I'm not going to say much else. Um, but if you like Coda and you found it heartwarming, let me tell you, it's tough times right now. So if you found, you know, two hours or so in your life where you weren't thinking about other stuff in your life and you were having a good time watching it, that's great. 
I also watched The Tragedy of Macbeth on the same day, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Really loved the production design. Thought Denzel Washington was great. It didn't win any Oscars, but you know what? No good movie needs to win an Oscar to be good. It just is good. So Tragedy of Macbeth, pretty great. The following day, I did watch Greyhound. As you can see, I was following up and catching up on Apple stuff, Apple movies. I liked Greyhound. I thought it was fun really quick, but also satisfying in what it was attempting to do. And the following day, March 8th, I ended up watching The Batman. Went to the theater, sat there all three hours, and took it all in. So I'm not really the biggest Robert Pattinson fan or anything like that. Like, I've watched a number of his movies, but never to the degree of where I'm just like, he's so hot. Oh my gosh, Robert Pattinson. I just, I respect him as an actor, and I think he's good. Did I think he was a good Bruce Wayne? No. But did I think he was a good Batman? As in, in the suit, having the chin? Yes. I thought he was very good. Not scary, but, you know, very, like, imposing. Like, he was a presence. Uh, I didn't love the film. I had some problems with it. First of all, three hours is too long for any movie that is Batman. Because what are you doing there? If you're not... I mean, granted... This movie didn't have a lot of the Bruce Wayne stuff. It was, you know, mentioned here and there, but it wasn't like a big core of the film. It would be really interesting if you had a movie where Bruce Wayne was just like two thirds of the movie and the Batman stuff didn't come to the end. But oh no, 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 no. That's not how this movie is. This movie begins with the first scene where the Riddler kills somebody. Um, the Riddler's played by Paul Dano. I'm not really a Paul Dano fan. Um, I just kind of felt, eh, well, let's put it this way. There's some images in this movie that sort of remind me of like the terrorist kind of crap that you see on TV and you hear about, you know, January 6th. And then I just, the last couple of days, they've been deliberating the um, trial of the guys who tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer. And you've got these guys in these outfits and their followers. And it's just the kind of crap I just don't really want to see in a movie. So I get where they were going, but it just felt kind of like oh, these dudes are like in these jackets and wearing these, you know, what do you call them? The, the masks to sort of, if you're going to experience gas or something like gas masks, yeah, simply gas masks, uh, they all kind of look like, um, the Zodiac killer. If you know what those images look like of the sort of jacket and coverage, I just, uh, I'm a little iffy on that. Um, but props to the movie for her um, casting Zoe Kravitz because I did really like her as Catwoman and Selena Kyle. Um, there's some little details in the movie that I found pretty interesting, like the stuff with Peter Sarsgaard as the corrupt DA. Um, little bits and pieces there. I would say as much as it wasn't a movie that I enjoyed because eh, problems. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as what it was, like the production and what angles they were going for, you know, it, it's you could do worse. I've seen worse Batman movies. Um, also did like Colin Farrell. I do agree, though, with the sentiment that if you're going to have somebody who is a very large, overweight man, you should probably hire a large, weight, overweight man to play said character instead of just slapping on the makeup on somebody who was not that. Uh, <laughs> okay, moving along. Uh, on March 10th, I watched Poison Ivy starring Drew Barrymore. Um, hadn't seen it before, which is why I'm talking about it. Not a fan of it. Uh, it kind of felt too slight. I didn't... Mm, it, it's a little difficult to watch a movie like this and be like, okay, what's, what are we going for if it's not going for total sleaze? Because it tried to give some humanity to Drew Barrymore's character Ivy, but at the same time, I don't know what the movie was actually really saying. Was it saying that she was a girl lost because it kind of felt like it was judging her at times? 
Uh, maybe it's just not for me. Um, Poison Ivy. That's a that's a thumb just down. Uh, a couple days later, on March 12th, I watched the movie Fresh, which is on Hulu. It's never made it to theaters. It also doesn't look like a movie made for theaters either. It looks like a TV show. I did not like the script for this. I, it felt just like, you know, we've got this one-dimensional story of this girl who goes out with this guy. She's a little, you know, lost in life. She doesn't really have a family, and she's not having good dating experiences. Um, and then she goes out with this guy, and she finds out, spoiler alert, he basically is a cannibal, and he also um, cuts up bodies to sell them. That's primarily, I guess, what his income is based upon. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, this movie didn't really have anything to say other than, oh, it's it sucks to date. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. But luckily, the same day, I ended up watching the Disney film Encanto, which won the Best Animated Feature Oscar. Encanto's b- beautiful. Uh, great story, uh, great songs. I know some people had some problems with the pacing of it, but I think the development of the characters was really beautiful. I... I really enjoyed the film. Um, I, I, I need to like listen to the soundtrack because some of those songs are just really well done. And you know, I'm not the biggest Lin Manuel Miranda fan. I'll say that. I've never. I let's just say that. Um, I have never gone out of my way to watch anything to do with Hamilton. I just don't think it's my thing. But I think he did a really good job on the music in Encanto, and I liked Stephanie Beatrice's vocal performance as well as her acting. And it's a beautiful film. The following day, I watched the new Cognata film after Yang, which I really thought was nice and pretty and uh, liked the performances from Colin Farrell and Jordy Turner-Smith, as well as, um, what's her name? Uh, I'm going to look it up. Sorry. Uh, Haley. Yeah, Haley. Where is it? Haley Lou Richardson. There we go. Uh, This was an interesting story sort of about how people use people. But also talking about minorities on a very subtle level and how white people sort of use minorities in different ways in their lives. It's, it's very interesting. I would say uh, maybe, maybe watch this one. Maybe give it a shot because it's got some things to say in it that are very, very subtle. It's naturally beautiful. Coconata's other film, um, Columbus, absolutely beautiful. Also starring Haley Lou Richardson. I don't want to say too much about After Yang, just that I recommend it, and it is one of the better films that I've seen from 2022 so far, because I've seen a number of them at this point, I guess. Uh, The following day, March 14th, I gave Luca a shot, the animated Disney film. I had actually tried to watch this back last summer when it came out, but the animation just was not working for me. I still don't really like the animation, but I'll say this. I think the story is really cute and fun. And it's a tale of this boy who is a sea monster and he discovers another boy who's a sea monster. But when they're on land, they're best buds together. So it's kind of about them hiding who they really are. And it's sad and it's touching and it's cute. But animation, just not really sure that's for me. I kind of docked it down a little bit for that. But I'll say it's a good film. On March 17th, I went to the theater, watched a new movie. I saw the new movie starring Sandra O oh, oh, called Uma. So Uma is the story of a young girl who lives with her mother. They live in a very odd situation. They live in a house without electric. And you're wondering why on earth that is. Well, it turns like it turns out that her mother, the mother of her mother, this girl, 
um, her basically her grandmother, who is never actually present, but is always present, uh, may have inflicted some trauma on her mother. I'm sorry, that's a lot of mother details, but <laughs> it's about familial trauma and such, and it talks a little bit about Korean ancestry. Uh, I liked what this movie was going for. It was not perfect by any stretch, but it was a little different than your average PG-13 horror film. And I, I think if you tried to do this kind of movie again, it could be successful. It's got some good actors in it, of course. It's got Sandra Oh. Um, she's commanding, very commanding. I thought she was great. Like She has some moments in the film where she's a little bit possessed. And her uh, ways of acting with possession was very good. Um, but it's unfortunately kind of a thumbs down for me. But I think if you were to rent it or watch it on streaming, you'd probably enjoy it. All right. So mm, this month, a new movie came out on Hulu that was sort of uh, the talk of Twitter, I guess you could say, upon its release. I'm talking about the new film from Adrian Lyon called Deep Water, starring Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck. Now, let me tell you something about this movie. This movie was supposed to come out in theaters quite a while ago, and it basically got pulled. And at the time that it got pulled, Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck, who'd been dating for almost a year, broke up. So <laughs> say what you want about that relationship. What really matters is how do they interact in the film. So Ana de Armas's character is a woman who is married and would very much not care about her husband if she didn't have to. <laughs> she she just wants to party. She just wants to get it on and her husband just has to stand by and watch. I thought Ana de Armas was really good in this. Like she plays a certain type of woman who is very much not going to do anything she doesn't want to do. But what keeps happening is that certain men she brings into her life and their life start dying. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> ben Affleck is basically miserable, miserable as shit this whole movie. And he has these weird snails. And um, it's a bit of a mess of a film. Though, I will say the sexual intrigue and dynamics between it, I really enjoyed. I got something out of it. It's a, it's a bit of a throwback. If you know anything about Adrian Lyne, he has made a number of movies which are very sleazy and very fun or maybe just dramatic and maybe not so happy. But regardless, if you want something that's a little bit trashy, I definitely recommend Deep Water. I wouldn't say I'm giving it a thumbs up because I just can't. There's some very bad things about this movie, like its ending. Oh boy, just really crappy and not good. And unfortunately, I just look at this movie and I'm like, there's no way this is the original ending for this movie. It was probably something really different and uh, really dramatic and not a ridiculous sense but more so about their relationship like who knows they might have had like a big blowout and then had a discussion about how they came to terms with their life and then that would have just ended but I can see that how that would not please audiences <laughs> uh so I don't recommend deep water but if you're gonna watch deep water just know you're going in you're going into a mess a mess of a film that you will you probably get something out of I would hope um but if you call it the worst movie ever made I don't blame you uh <laughs> Uh, the next day, March 19th, I checked out Mitchell's The Mitchells versus The Machines, which was up for Best Animated Feature. Would have actually been my pick to win just because I loved the animation. I thought the story was really fresh and fun. It is an extremely chaotic movie, though. It was a lot for my old brain to take in 
in one sitting and luckily I did it. I did take a break though because visually this movie is pure chaos but at the same time I appreciate the chaos this brought because it had so much to say and the characters were all really fun and its ideas were just out there really cool I, I'm sounding like a broken record but uh, I highly recommend that one it was a it was a good time so for newer films the following day March 20th I checked out the Disney film Turning Red I am so sad to say this was just not really my thing. Um, I think it started out really good. I love the character of May. She's this really sassy, fun, confident preteen. And I just loved seeing a girl in a movie be like, I am so awesome. I don't care what anybody thinks because it reminds me of when I was a preteen girl and I just wanted to do all the cool things and I wasn't really intimidated or felt like I needed to act a certain way. And then eventually those things kind of come in because you're like, I want to be older. I want to be cool. But um, I just, I loved her character. Though once things start going um, probably about 45 minutes into the movie, it just kind of lost me and it kind of dragged a bit. I don't think it was a bad movie at all. It's just eh, some things about it, just story-wise. I'm not going to spoil them because I do recommend the film. This didn't really work for me. Um, but one thing I will say is that the four-town music is such an earworm. Holy crap. Really fun stuff. Pseudo Backstreet Boys sync era kind of thing because it's supposed to take place in 2002. Um, so Turning Red is fun. Just not for me, but animation-wise, yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, the following day, 21st of March, I watched the documentary Attica. I didn't know anything about the prison, um, uprising at the Attica prison. Uh, this was a very harrowing and difficult movie to watch, but it was really compelling, really expansive. Um, I definitely recommend it, but please just know this movie is very graphic. There's a lot of violence and the stuff about prison is really tough to watch. But I think all for the better because I'm feeling more aware about like what kinds of stuff happened in that because it was more than 50 years ago. Um, I appreciate what this film had to offer. It's really, it's really good to like watch a film and just be like, wow, I didn't know that stuff. I learned something. It was difficult. But at the same time, the reward is there because I now have the knowledge on the subject. On March 22nd, I watched the film Impromptu which is a Hugh Grant film. <laughs> it's uh, about Frederick Chopin, but it's not really about Frederick Chopin. It's more so about this woman who was very much uh, infatuated by him. Her name is George, George Sand, and um, she dressed in men's clothing, and she was very much a woman of her own, but um, she just would pursue Chopin in this film uh, sort of directly and indirectly, and uh, Judy Davis played George Sand, and I love Judy Davis. Judy Davis in every movie she's in, she commits 1000%. She's so compelling and she just kind of comes out of nowhere. But she's been in so many movies of the, over the years. It's just a shame she's never really gotten like major, major recognition to the degree that someone like Meryl Streep has. Um, she's done a number of movies with Woody Allen. So you could, you know, take that for what it is. But she's also been in like, oh gosh, what was she in? She was in um, The Ref with uh Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey and she's like go for broke bug nuts crazy and I love it uh my favorite thing she's been in that I've seen is the Judy Garland me and my shadows film where she plays Judy Garland and she's so good in the movie oh man I I love Judy Davis I need to watch more of her work because I she has a very lengthy career uh but yeah see impromptu see it for judy davis i liked the film i didn't love it but i liked it and i thought her performance was like just really stellar and amazing 
uh, on March 25th, I was hanging out with my sister and she was like, do you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, cool. Yeah, whatever. Let's watch something just easy breezy. We watched the movie Austin Land, which I haven't heard a single good thing about, but I was like, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to watch something easy breezy. So go for a rom-com. It stars Carrie Russell as this woman who's basically been saving up her money her whole life to go to this place called Austin Land, which is a immersive uh, experience in England. And part of the immersive experience means you fall in love with someone, though, just for play. Uh, in Jane Austen type costumes, theming, living quarters, the whole shebang. So if you know anything about the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, think about that, but think of it as Jane Austen stuff. Uh, I thought this was cute. I liked it. I liked uh, Carrie Russell's character. Jennifer Coolidge is in the movie. Need I say more? It might come off a bit contrived to some folks, and it is pretty meager on the details, the storytelling, the dialogue. But when this movie needed to be kept captivating and compelling and cute and romantic, it was. So uh, it might not be the most memorable movie for me. I, I haven't forgotten it yet, but down the line, I might be like, oh, yeah, I saw that once. I guess I did. Uh, it's not a lot to write home about, but I do appreciate what Austin Land was going for. The following day, March 26th. I watched two movies. The first movie I watched was Red Rocket starring Simon Rex, the new Sean Baker film. Red Rocket is about this swindler dude who has left California from doing adult movies and now he's back in town in this crappy town in Texas to wreak havoc on his not ex-wife. They're just separated. Um, <laughs> they're still technically married. And her mother. And boy, oh boy, Simon Rex is a swindler and a half in this movie like make your skin crawl swindler sleazy asshole dude what a fantastic performance what a fantastic movie I loved it I I I'm still thinking about it every once in a while I mean I grew up watching Sam Rex on MTV <laughs> the guy has come a long way though clearly he's had some ups and downs in his career because how do you go from anywhere to being in a Sean Baker movie. Well, basically, if you're in a Sean Baker movie, chances are you are not the biggest star in the world. You've maybe struggled or you're maybe doing this as like a, you know, a thing like where you're interested in the subjects or like a Willem Dafoe. But most of Sean Baker's movies are really based in reality. So we've got the slice of life kind of living, people living in this shit town, you know, with power plants and, you know, really not the greatest neighborhoods. Uh, but what Sean Baker does with his movies is give his characters, no matter where they are, what their situation, anything, he gives them a sense of dignity. He doesn't, he's sort of like John Waters in that he really has an affection for all of his characters, no matter how good or bad they are. So like, he clearly likes this guy, but he is so, so aware of how much of a piece of shit he is as well. Uh, it's just fascinating. Really interesting movie. Really great performances highly recommend Red Rocket. If you watch, sorry, if you listen to this podcast and take anything away from it, you should probably just watch Red Rocket if you haven't seen it yet. The same day, I unfortunately watched a movie called French Exit starring Michelle Pfeiffer. I hated this movie. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> it's just, it's a sense of humor I just do not buy into. I did not laugh at all. I like dark humor. I like all kinds of quirky stuff, people being, you know, awful to each other, but man, I just hated this. None of the jokes landed. No, no good. Uh, the following day, March 27th, I went to the theater, saw a new film, 
I saw the film Infinite Storm starring uh, Naomi Watts. She plays this woman who goes up on Mount Washington to hike because it's just what she does to deal with her life and just stuff. I'm not going to spoil anything. But uh, she ends up coming across a guy who is wearing sneakers and shorts. Oh my goodness. So she basically saves this guy's life. She goes up and she rescues him. Uh, It's a movie that I am so glad I saw in a theater that I know is always cold. (laughs) Added a bit to the atmosphere. I enjoyed it. It was good. I liked it. Um, Not the greatest movie ever. I will say uh, some parts of it were a little... Mm, it's a script that's kind of slight and it's slight in the ways that you would expect a movie where it's just two people together who are just trying to live you know might be there's no conversations that are anything more than how are you doing you know got to put this on you got to stay here are you okay how's your foot (laughs) uh no it's more of an experience rather than like a full-fledged movie and I think it was successful I mean some parts of it did look like New Hampshire other parts did not but uh, for what it is it's a international production of a movie that takes place in America so I'll give it that Uh, (laughs) um, the following day March 28th I watched the new Soderbergh film called Kimmy so Kimmy is sort of like if you think of blowout uh meets uh rear window that's Kimmy so Kimmy stars uh Zoe Kravitz star of the Batman uh as this girl who is uh she it's technically still COVID times in the movie so she's in her apartment she really doesn't want to go outside but she sort of has this relationship with a guy who lives across the street from her though she's really not good at interacting with her but she hears something in her job she's this audio audio tech who like basically takes this as uh, sort of like a google home she like hears audio from it and she helps like fill in the gaps where there's problems and technical issues but she hears something and so she reports it and then from there it spirals and it's a suspense thriller it's not really a comedy but it's it's kind of light on the thriller stuff but there's intrigue and technical thriller bits uh if you like the net you will probably like this movie because i love the net and i like that sense of you got this one woman who is on a mission to figure out what's going on and her life is at risk definitely recommend kimmy the following day uh march 29th i made a big effort i watched three movies in one day that i had not seen before the first of them was the scary of 61st which was just a trashy low rent horror film that i uh i really hated the entire plot which was basically stuff to do with um what's his name i don't even want to say his name the guy who's been in the news who maybe did not kill himself um yeah i i hated this movie i get what it was going for like it was going for low rent you know 16 millimeter horror but mm, no no absolutely not uh (laughs) after that i watched something that was just slightly better which was the film john carpenter's vampires uh this movie like barely has a plot i really didn't like it i didn't really get why they were trying to save this one woman who got bit by a vampire who hadn't turned yet it was just kind of crappy but uh james woods man he is a son of a bitch but he was so well cast in this movie uh if you want to talk about how great that movie is um let's just say there's a baldwin in it and it's not steven and it is not alec and it is not billy um (laughs) john carpenter's vampires uh if you're a john carpenter fan you should probably see that movie but oh no 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 i don't really recommend it uh (laughs) later that night i watched a movie called johnny suede i watched this for the sake of like 90s indie kind of nostalgia it stars brad pitt as this guy who's a musician um 
his character reminded me so much of Simon Rex in Red Rocket, where he's this guy who talks himself up, but he's just a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> it is it's so, like, early, early 90s indie where, you know, people are just shooting the shit, kind of like a Jim Darmish movie, and it kind of moves from scene to scene, like, just as it goes, really casually. Brad Pitt is pretty good in it. It also has Catherine Keener and uh, Nick Cave is this like sort of I don't think he's an albino but he's basically this guy who dresses in white and has white hair and it's very pale uh musician uh Johnny Swade his character that's what the movie's called I think I said that Johnny Swade just he's he's trying to be amazing and it's the really only amazing thing about him is his hair how he keeps it up straight because it's it is quite a do I definitely recommend googling that I don't recommend the film if you're a Brad Pitt completist maybe do watch it but uh, it's just okay. wasn't really for me. Uh, I've only got a couple more movies to talk about. I know this has been a long podcast. And you want to hear what I have to say about my announcements or whatever. But uh, April 2nd, I watched Master of Disguise. The Master of Disguise. Starring Dana Carvey. Um, no, please don't watch this movie. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, on March 3rd. Uh, just a couple days ago, I watched the Robert Altman film, The Gingerbread Man, which I had bought on Blu-ray a while ago from a Kino Lorber sale. I had always wanted to see it, and I was so glad I could get it on Blu-ray. It wasn't really a great film. Uh, it's a, from a John Grisham text. It's about this man who is a lawyer, and he befriends this woman. Now, he's a divorced lawyer, so he has kids, so he's got entanglements on the side, but he becomes friends with this woman in certain ways, and there's bad shit going on with her family, and she's feeling like she's under attack, and she's in danger. Well, it spirals from there in that sort of John Grisham-y way, but lucky, luckily for Robert Altman, um, he has... A couple people in the movie who are not even American and this movie takes place in I think in Georgia I think it was Savannah Georgia I think that's what it was Kenneth Branagh playing a southern lawyer and Beth Davids who I looked it up she is originally from South Africa playing a southern woman okay all right they're actors they they mostly pulled it off I was entertained I wasn't too distracted their accents didn't really falter too much it's fine. Weird title, but <laughs> um, The Gingerbread Man, sort of a lost 90s movie. Uh, I want to say it came out in 1998. Yeah, I think I remember uh, Siskel and Ebert not liking that movie. I could be wrong, but as far as Robert Allman goes, I mean, if it was more of note, I would have seen it by now because more people would be talking about it because I feel like Robert Altman is a filmmaker who, as I've gone through film school, yes, I technically went to film school and have gone through different circles with people. Robert Altman is someone who comes up, but his movies uh, that get brought up, none of them are ever the gingerbread man. There is a reason to that for that to some degree because he's absolutely done better work, but at the same time, I'll say the gingerbread man wasn't that bad. So if you come across it, I recommend it. Just last night, uh, this is my last movie I'm going to talk about, by the way. I watched the movie Gothica with Halle Berry. Like The Gingerbread Man, this also has Robert Downey Jr. in it, though very different story. It's a story of a woman who works in an asylum, and her husband works there as well. She gets into a car crash, blacks out, and she wakes up in the asylum and finds out, basically like shock corridor, she finds out she is now a person there who is an inmate. Excuse me. Um, this movie was very suspenseful. I didn't know 
what was going on until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Like I had a suspicion that maybe things were going a certain way, but oh no, they were not. Very awful, terrible ending for a movie. Like what kind of ending that makes you just want to like throw something at the screen bad. I am not surprised this movie was badly reviewed. I remembered it being like not well reviewed, but oh boy. Uh, (laughs) If you don't like Gothica, I get it. The ending is complete trash. But I'm going to say this. I thought Halle Berry was really good. I liked her performance. I really empathized empathized with her um, and her plight and finding out like her husband's been murdered and here's Robert Downey Jr. and he is her co-worker and then he starts to reveal things about him and her that she didn't really know or maybe really didn't want to face. There's a lot of pieces working on here and I found it so gripping and so interesting, so well shot. And I get it if people don't like a movie like this, but for me, it hit the spot. It worked. It was fun. And that's all I'm going to talk about for movies for now that I have recently seen. So that was a lot. It was a whole month of catching up for you guys. I hope you enjoyed talking about that. But let's get to what you probably want to know about, which is things I'm going to talk about in the future. So I mentioned specifically that the last two movies I watched had Robert Downey Jr. in them. I also rewatched the movie In Dreams recently, too. So I'm going to be hopefully within the next several episodes or so I say several because I don't know how long it's going to take me I'm trying to watch like most of his movies that I haven't seen before um, maybe even rewatch a couple I haven't seen in a really long time and maybe do an episode just to talk about Robert Downey Jr. and what I like about him um, I'm not talking about Marvel stuff I'm talking about you know the stuff he did in the 90s like I've never seen two guys and a girl and I've always known about that movie and I want to watch it And it's been an extremely long time since I saw um, Chaplin, which was like the first movie I ever really, really wanted to see with him in. I don't know what my obsession was. I was just like, I just want to see Chaplin. It just looks cool. And I was like, I don't know, six, seven years old. What was I thinking? Uh, (laughs) But there's some movies he did in the 80s that I haven't seen. So like The Pickup Artist with Molly Ringwald. I've always wanted to see it. Haven't seen it. Gonna see it. Um, so yeah, coming soon is a Robert Downey Jr. centric episode. We'll get there. Um, other things coming up. So at the end of April and into early May, there's a film festival happening and it's the Independent Film Festival of Boston. I am hoping, very much hoping, fingers crossed, that I will get to see a couple of films that I'm really interested in seeing and be able to talk to you about it. I, however, found out, well, let's just say this. As far as scheduling of what going to that festival, because it is a, almost a week long, I unfortunately can't go to most of the festival. It's a major bummer. But um, any movies I see from there and shorts, I'm going to talk about and do like a quick little podcast about it or maybe a long one. We'll see. But that's coming soon. A report from the Independent Film Festival of Boston. And now, so the last thing I'm going to say is um, I am going to be on a podcast of a friend of mine's very soon. So do yourself a favor. If you're not currently following Cinema 5K on Twitter, go to Twitter, follow Cinema 5K. That's Cinema 5000, but Cinema 5K. Follow on Twitter because there will be an announcement when this episode goes live. I am so excited to share this with you because it is a friend of mine's podcast and I'm just so thankful that he uh, invited me to be on his podcast because it was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy that when that goes live. So you'll just have to keep your eyes peeled and see. 
and then hopefully listen. Please, please, please listen. Um, I appreciate you so much for listening to that. You're going to do it, right? You're going to listen. Um, and also listening to this because this was a long episode. This is a lot of rambling. Oh my goodness, my mouth is dry. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. Uh, yeah. So I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to Cinema 5000. Oh boy. This is one take. <laughs> I am not editing this at all. I successfully did it. And uh, thank you so much again for listening to my podcast. Oh, one last thing. One very last thing. Where are we at with letterbox numbers? I know I've been slacking on actually telling you guys like what the number is at, but currently I'm at 4,809 films watched. So that just means I have 181 movies to go or no, no, (laughs) 191 movies to go. Sorry, bad math. It's late. We got to get the show going, but we've got a lot more films to watch, a lot more things to see and talk about. So I'll be getting back to you soon about what I've seen recently. Uh, hopefully, hopefully by the next time, I'll tell you about some new, new movies that are in theaters and how they were. Thank you again for listening. Cinema 5K on Twitter. Send an email to cinema5kpod at gmail.com if you've got any questions or recommendations. I'll talk to you later and take care.